saying, I'm the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. We call them the Ten Commandments. God said they were ten words. More than just an individual word or ten individual words, but they were divine utterances. They were a word of and from the Lord. Like the prophets who would later say, I've got a word of the Lord. They were divine. God's mouth speaking to man's ears. God's people heard them with a backdrop of lightning and thunder and smoke. He wrote them, the Bible says, in stone with his own finger. Full of morality, but they were much more than just morality. These ten words were covenant. They were promise of God. They, Jesus said, you should love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He said it was the first and great commandment. And the second was likened to it of equal importance that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself or yourself. And he said on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. These 10 words spoken in the Old Testament are fulfilled in the New Testament with the commandments of loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and loving others with all the love that you could love yourself with. Four words of the Lord telling us how God himself wants to be loved. His words, as we've talked about in the previous week, his word concerning his worship and idolatry, his word concerning his name, his word concerning his rest. Six more words existed from Moses's mouth and God's mouth to his people showing how to demonstrate love for one another and other people. Paul said in Romans 13 that he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. He said the commandments of not committing adultery and you can't kill and, and you should not steal and you can't lie and you shall not covet. And any other commandment, he said, are all summed up by this saying, namely, you should love your neighbor as yourself. He said, love doesn't do harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love, everybody say love, is the fulfillment of the law. Paul said, when we really love God and we really love people, we just do these things. They are a work of God's love and God's spirit in our life. John would echo it in 1 John 5 and 3. He said, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Remember, in the Old Testament, God was teaching them to walk with him, to live with him, to have relationship with him, and to serve him. They were coming out of Egypt 20 generations, 400 years of living under Egyptian rules with Egyptian culture. They were not Egyptians. They were Israelites. They were God's chosen people. But after 400 years, the culture seeped in. And they were full of Egypt. So God put, took them to school to teach them how to live for him. We can't forget who God intends us to be, even as New Testament believers. And we can't fall prey to the danger of being willing to accept the concepts of God's love in us and for us and loving other people with his love. We cannot find ourselves, if we're going to call ourselves believers, if we're going to call ourselves people that are trying to pursue him, we cannot be unwilling to execute the steps to do so. Because relationship with God is never going to be detached from practical living. It's going to be more than just you agreeing with God. 
Your agreement with God is going to produce fruit. And it's going to present results. And God will get down into your living. And so that's what we've been talking about. God getting into our living. And these commandments pushing us towards the fulfillment of such. So Exodus 20 and 16. Let us focus on this today. Here's what God said to them. Thou shall not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Little King Jamesy for you, but you can say it, can't you? Let's say it together. Thou shall not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Here's, let me just break it down for those of you that just got thrown off by Old English. You can't lie. Let me say it another way. You got to tell the truth. Turn to three people around you and say, God says, tell the truth. Come on, tell them. God says, tell the truth. I want to preach to you just for a little while about the word concerning your words. The word concerning your words. Would you lay your Bibles down, lift your hands to heaven. Would you pray for me and pray for you? Pray that I'll speak the word of the Lord and pray that we will all receive what God has to say to us. Come on, Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for all that your word has already accomplished. Everything that you want to do, it is forever already settled in heaven. So, Lord, we just ask that you would pull our minds and our spirits into agreement with what you want to say to your people. God, let not one word be out of place. Let not one word be out of focus. Let everything, God, be done in decency and order as you have commanded it in your word. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Would you clap your hands today and give the Lord praise? I love you, Jesus. And I love your word, God. Praise your name. Thank you for being so patient. You can be seated. The Gallup poll records the honest professions according to their survey, the most honest professions according to their survey among a majority of Americans is doctors and nurses. That they, all the nurses in the house, and I know we've got a few, The Gallup poll says you're some of the most trusted people on the planet along with doctors. But there's some others that are not trusted. Lots of other professions among the list. And if you're in here today and you're in this list, it's Gallup preaching, not me. I'm just, don't, don't shoot the messenger. But the Gallup poll says top 10 professions that are known for lying. Number one, politicians. Number two, lobbyists. Number three, car salesmen. Number four, now we're getting down to my living here, uh, telemarketers. Number five, advertising or timeshare salesmen. Don't make me preach right there. Number six, stockbrokers. Seven, business executives. Eight, union leaders. Gallup, not me. Nine, lawyers, and 10, this one actually surprised me, real estate agents. They say that Americans say that these professions are most known for deception and lies. Now, if you're all sitting there today and you're saying to yourself, I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord. I am not a politician. I give praise to God that I am not a real estate or I do not sell stocks and I am not in the union and I have never sold a timeshare though I've been a victim of one. If you feel good 
about not being in that list, let me just tell you this. According to another study done, there, it says that 60% of Americans can't go more than 10 minutes without lying. 60%. If, if that is to be the case among us, which I've got to tell you, I would love to tell you that among Christians that these, these polls, they, they don't affect us because it's so much different in the kingdom of God. It ought to be different in the kingdom of God. But many times with these realities, we find that it is very close. So if that is true, I'm not saying it is, but if it is true, then 60% of the people, even in this room, can't go 10 minutes without telling some sort of falsehood, a lie, small or great, every 10 minutes. That's our culture. That's where we live. That's, that's what we walk in. That's what we work in every single day. Deception everywhere. Now, you can smile and smirk at that because we, we've kind of taught ourselves a little bit to some degree that truth is not definite. It, truth has layers. You know, there are some things that are just more true than others. Some truths are deep and, and important and others are kind of surface level and maybe even trivial, not so important. Truth has a lot of enemies and we have a lot of names for it. We dress them up and we try to make it look better. We, we call it's not a, it's not a lie. It's a white lie. It's painted white. It's a lie. I mean, just be honest. You know what I'm talking about? A lie that really doesn't matter. Doesn't matter a lot. Why? Well, okay. No, that's not true, but it didn't hurt anybody. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't steal any money with it. I didn't, you know, make anybody go to prison. I, I didn't hurt anybody with it. Just a little white lie. I was just trying to get the kids off my back. I, I was just trying to, you know, get out of a difficult situation. We call them white lies. We call them half-truths. Well, I'm going to tell them as much as I'm comfortable telling them. And, and if I have to lead them in a certain way by telling them part of the facts, that's okay, right? Because my motives were pure. I argue with that, but my motives were pure. We call them half-truths. Other people have called them situational ethics. Well, and all that means is sometimes the truth, and this is crazy, is worse than a lie. That the truth is worse than a lie. So I'm justified in telling something that is not true. Here's one that's more, more relevant and more factual even today. We call it spin. It wasn't a lie. I was just spinning it. I needed to spin it in a way and frame it, the facts, in such a way that I made people think what I wanted them to think. And let's just be honest, deceive and misdirect them into thinking what I wanted them to think. Now, all of those things, the problem with all of them is this. And you say, oh, this is all elementary. Well, we're going back to the basics. The truth of the matter is this. God calls for honesty in all things. Three of you, I wonder, 60%, there we go. God calls for honesty in all things, in all the ways that I act, in all the ways that I talk, in all the ways that I say. Lying is a huge issue for God. Do you hear me today? It's a huge issue for God because it is his opposite. He is truth. Somebody say amen. 
He is the epitome and the definition of truth. And God doesn't like it when we lie. Exodus 23 and 1, God said, he said, thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Proverbs 12 says that lying lips, listen to this, are an abomination to the Lord. God hates it. He hates lips that lie, but they that deal truly are his delight. Proverbs 19 and 5 says, A false witness shall not be unpunished, but he that speaketh lies shall not escape. You get to the end of the book in Revelation 21 and 8. We're at the end of the story. God has is, is removed all doubt as to who's making it and who's not. He's removed all doubt as to who's right and who's not. And he looks and he says this, John said in Revelation 21 and 8, But the fearful... And the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of seals the deal for me. That tells me that God thinks lying is a pretty bad thing. That tells me that God is concerned with the words that come out of my mouth. And those that will not tell the truth have a destiny in a lake of fire for all of eternity. Oh, that's, that's pretty hard preaching. Well, here, I'm here to tell you the truth. Do you want me to lie? I can pat you on the back and say, you know what? It's okay. White lies are fine. Half-truths are fine. Spin is fine. And, it, and, you know, to get out of a jam, it's okay. But listen to me. The Bible says that all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. Lying shows up twice. Twice in a list. God puts a list of things that he hates. If you ever wondered about what God hated, you can look at Proverbs. And Proverbs will tell you six things the Lord hates. Yes, even seven are abomination to him. He said, I don't like, I hate a proud look and a lying tongue. And then you get down into Proverbs 6 and 19. A false witness who speaks lies. Twice he says, I do not like folks that are dishonest. God hates lying. Why is he so strong about lying? Why does he call this out even seemingly above other things? I'm going to tell you why. Because it's personal to God, this lying thing. Lying is what ruined his most prized creation. It was a lie. It was a lie spoken to Adam and spoken to Eve that said when God told him the truth, when God said, you will surely die if you disobey and you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The devil showed up and lied. And even worse than that, he told a lie about God that said, a God that said, I cannot lie and it's impossible for me to lie. And man took it hook, bait, and sinker. And ever since then, the damage has been done. Calvary had to happen. Blood had to been shed. Do you realize what one lie did in the beginning of all this? The one thing that God loved the most, which was your soul. The one thing that God loved the most, which was human beings, was ruined and tainted and put into danger of hellfire and the judgment of God because of lying. And God looks at that and says, I hate it. I hate it when a lie rolls off your tongue. I hate it when you don't tell the truth because you're like unto the very thing that destroyed you from the very beginning. Man was lied to. You won't die, but the truth is what? He did die. 
He did die. He died a spiritual death that day, separated from the presence of God. And eventually, he died a physical death. Satan lied. He lied to mankind, and mankind believe it. John 8 and 44, Jesus said, speaking of Satan, he was a murderer from the very beginning, and he abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he's a liar, and he's the father of it. No wonder God hates lying because it's his opposite, because he is truth. So... So God expects honesty in all things and to everybody. Isn't that what he said? He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make sure that you don't lie against your neighbor. Not only did he give a commandment, he gave a direction. God told us to never let anything but truth come out of our mouths. And then he made it directional. He said, never let the truth, nothing but the truth come out of your mouth. Then he set the expectation, especially against your neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? Well, they asked Jesus that, didn't they? They asked Jesus, they said, he said, you got to love your neighbor as yourself. And they said, to, in order to try to justify themselves, well, who is my neighbor? Remember that story? Jesus told them a parable about a good Samaritan when a priest walked by and, and holy people walked by and people ought to know better walked by and a man that had been beaten and robbed and left him there by himself. Yet a good Samaritan stopped and he took care of him and he, he nursed his wounds and he put him up in a safe place and paid for it and said, I'll come again and check on you. And Jesus said after telling that story who was a neighbor to this man they said it was a good Samaritan he said well then you do likewise Jesus pointed out there is nobody that is not your neighbor everybody around you is your neighbor what are you trying to say pastor I'm trying to say everybody deserves truth out of your mouth everyone deserves truth out of your mouth your parents deserve truth your husband deserves truth. Your wife deserves truth. Your kids deserve truth. Your pastor deserves truth. Your brothers and sisters deserve truth. Your coworker deserves truth. Your friends, your boss, the policeman who stopped you for speeding deserves truth because truth is directional. And lies do damage. Everybody say that with me. Lies do damage. That's why Paul would write in Ephesians 4 and 25. And let me just point this out. He, he said it to folks that were pursuing Jesus. He didn't say this to some renegade somewhere that didn't know nothing about God. He was talking to the church that was at Ephesians. And here's what he told the church. People pursuing God. He said, put away lying. Stop your lying. Speak Every man, everybody say every man. Amen. Turn to three people real quick and say, that means you. You are part of every. Every man, speak every man the truth with his neighbor. Why? Listen to me. Because we are all members one of another. 
We are all part of one another. So Nate, if I lie to you, it's more than just hurting the heart of God. It's more than just hurting my reputation. There's a tendency for it to damage you too. It could damage your faith. It could damage your confidence. It could damage your feelings. Does anybody know? Anybody ever been in a circumstance where a lie did damage? If somebody just would have told the truth, if somebody just would have been honest, then the damage wouldn't have been done. Don't you understand? That's what lies have been doing from the very beginning. They do damage. Proverbs 25 says, a man who bears false witness, everybody say lie. A man that lies against his neighbor, you're like a heavy sledgehammer, like a wrecking ball, like a sword and a sharp arrow because your words are doing damage. Now, if you don't understand this, then us older folks will explain it to you. Because anyone who has ever dealt with the effects of old age can testify to the damage that can be done from one part of your body lying to the other part of your body. Your muscles say to you, we can do it. You go to the gym, you can do it, I can do it, I can do it. But you get up the next day and you say, thou art a liar to me. Paul was saying, look, the body, one part of the body can't lie without a damage in another part of the body. You need to realize this is the body of Christ. This is the body of believers. That's why everybody, everything has got to be done with honesty before the Lord. That's why Paul would write in Romans 13, he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. Paul said the body is painfully but practically honest with itself. Love tells the truth. Did you hear me? I said love tells the truth. And you need to tell the truth about everything to everybody. Because when you tell the truth, let's be honest, please. It brings the best results. Take a survey for 30 seconds and think of every time you've told the truth versus every time you started spinning stories. Think of every time that you told the truth and every other time that you tried to cover up. Oh, so that didn't happen to me, liar. Don't lie in the house of God. You've got examples on both sides. Listen, when you tell the truth, it's got the best results. The best outcome comes from telling the truth. Even in bad situations, the truth is better. Even in difficult situations, the truth is better. Why don't we do it? If that is true, and lots of you, is, you, 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 you nodding your head, and some of you waving your hands, amen, truth, truth, truth. But why don't we do it if it's so true? If all that is right, why don't we tell the truth? Why do lies even exist? I'm going to tell you why. I've figured it out, I think. It's because we're afraid of the results of what the truth is going to bring. We're scared of what the truth is gonna bring because sometimes the truth is not roses and the truth is not wonderful. Sometimes the truth is painful. Sometimes the truth is embarrassing. Sometimes the truth is uncomfortable. And day after day, just this week, a couple of weeks, I've been tempted. I got stopped by a cop and I was tempted. <laughs> Woo. And after I got the ticket, the temptation was even further, but it's already done. You're tempted. You have moments in your life where you're tempted. Tempted to what? Sweep it under the rug and act like it didn't happen. Tempted to feign ignorance. I didn't know when you really did know. Tempted to make up a story. But if you'll listen in those moments, you'll hear the spirit of the Lord and the voice of God says, just tell the truth because the truth is easier. Listen to me today. It's harder to hold up a lie than it is to hang from the truth. 
Do you hear me right now? It's harder to hold up a lie because one lie builds another lie. And then all of a sudden you got a superstructure of lies that you've got to hold up and the, and the burden of it becomes so great that at times it comes a time eventually it's all going to come crumbling down. But here's what's great. Hanging on to truth is tough. Hear me? Hanging on to truth is tough, but truth doesn't move. And truth is unbreakable. And truth is solid. And yes, it can be weary hanging on to it, but it's never going to move on you. He is the truth, and he is unmovable. So Paul would tell us, speak the truth in love. What does it mean to speak the truth in love? Well, he tells us that in another place that love is patient, that, that love is kind, it's, it's not envious, it's not boastful, it's not proud. Love does not demand its own way. Talk the truth like that. Speaking the truth in love means speaking the truth with tact. Does anybody know what that word is? Tact. A little class, a little forethought, tact, timing. Truth has timing. Truth has tone. Truth has wisdom. And truth has gentleness. That's why, listen, when you do it that way, here's what the Bible says in general. The truth has this tendency to make freedom. The truth of God has this tendency to produce freedom. I'm telling you right now, anybody ever caught in lies and it felt like a prison? You couldn't get out of it. But when you finally told the truth, there was this freedom that come. You know what? There's people that lie about their addictions and they lie about their shortcomings and they hide and they cover up. There's a burden that comes with that. There's a weight that comes with that. But I don't know how many times I've, I've sat across from somebody and said, you know what? When I finally came clean, when I finally just told the truth. There was a freedom and a weight that lifted off of me. Let me tell you something. This truth thing is more than you just telling the truth to somebody else. you got to tell the truth to yourself. Because freedom is linked spiritually with truth. So tell the truth because it'll set you free. Look at somebody and say the truth will set you free. That's not just me. Jesus said that. Jesus said the truth he that knows the truth, you shall know it, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus told us, a good tree doesn't bring forth corrupt fruit. Neither does a corrupt fruit tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his results, his truth, his fruit. For, thorns, for of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of bramble bush do they gather grapes. But he says a good man out of the, watch this now, this is where I'm trying to get to, out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. And Jesus puts this out in front of us. He says, for out of the abundance of the what? Out of the abundance of the what? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when lies come out of your tongue, don't think, oh, that was just something that got in my mouth and I couldn't get it back. No, honey, listen to me. God said it came from your heart. God said it was out of the abundance of your heart. The results of your behavior come from the condition of your heart. What's outside, Jesus said, spiritually comes from the inside. What you speak out of, what you are. Jesus, in other words, said, your words declare you. 
What comes out of your mouth not just affects our heart, it reveals it. It comes from our heart. Somebody say it with me. What comes out of my mouth comes from my heart. No wonder the psalmist said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I'm trying to tell you this lying, this truth thing, it's not a mouth issue, it's a heart issue. And when you get your heart right, I'm preaching to somebody, I'm telling somebody right now, you're lying. It's coming from your heart. And God said there's only one thing that cures a, a cures a lying heart. It's repentance. It's seeking forgiveness from God. You see, lying to others sets a pattern. James said this ought not to be. Out of the same mouth, blessing and cursing. Lying to friends and family and bosses and brothers and sisters. It sets a pattern that makes it easy to lie to yourself and ultimately lie, as crazy as it sounds, to God. To convince yourself of the lie that you can hide who you are from God. Adam and Eve kind of played that game. It didn't work so well. God got a hold of them and said, what are you, what are you doing? Eve said, it was a serpent. Man said, it was Eve. They had all their lies and all their stories together. But the end of the story was this. Lies damaged forever. I want you to stand with me. You say, listen, pastor, I don't think this applies to us. I don't think this applies to me. I mean, that's, that was all back in. We're, we're under grace. Well, listen, let me, let me take you to the New Testament. Let me take you to the story of a couple who were in the church. Let me take you to a story of a couple that got so convinced of their own story and their own lying that they felt comfortable. The Bible says to lie to the Holy Ghost. They had a capital campaign going on. Church needs some money. And people started donating. They started bringing bringing lots of land and started bringing things and possessions and laying them at the apostles' feet. And this man named Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, the Bible says that they sold a land, but they kept back a portion. And then they showed up at church and said, here is everything. And, 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 and Peter looked at them and, and he said, why, why do you let Satan, listen, fill your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of this price line. He said, when it was yours, you could do with it whatever you wanted. You could have said it was only 70%. You could have said, we're going to give a part of this. But, but here's the thing. You convinced yourself. What was it? Was it pride? What, what, was it? What, what, what was the purpose for the lie? It really does not matter. They, they convinced themselves their own story of lying, convince themselves that it would be all right to lie to God. Well, what, what, what do you, that doesn't happen. I'm a, this isn't an offering. We're not taking an offering, but can I tell you, we do the same thing. Can I tell you, we're in danger at least of doing the same thing, that every time we minimize where we really are in our pursuit with God, we have the potential to lie to the Holy Ghost. Here's what this looks like. I'm okay. You're okay. Doesn't matter what the word says. 
Doesn't matter what that preacher says. Doesn't matter what people say. I'm all right. I've got my own deal going with God. You know what that is? That's a false delusion from hell. And you need to wake up and understand there's only one that is righteous. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And we could get into the motion of saying, you know what? I'm going to come in. I'm going to check the box. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And everything's going to be all right. When the truth of the matter is, your heart is so far away from God, you couldn't hear him with seven ears on your head. Where's your heart today? That's all I'm asking. Can you be honest about where your heart is and where it is in pursuit with God? Because God says, I can't deal with the lion. You can lie to me. You can. I'm pretty gullible in a lot of ways. You can, you can get one over on me. You can get one over on the rest of the church and people around you. But you hear me. You will not convince the Holy Ghost of anything less than the truth that is in you. You will not convince God of it. He sees everything. Do you understand that? He sees you when nobody else sees you. He hears you when nobody else hears you. He knows every step you took this week. He knows every time that you were unfaithful. He knows every time that you lied. He knows every time that you walked away. He knows every time that he tried to scream into your ear, but you ignore him. He knows everything. And today, you're not on trial with me. You're not on trial with this church. You can walk out and we'll love you and pat you on the back. But you're not going to convince God of anything less than the complete truth that's in your heart. He knows. So what do you do with that? The only thing you can do with a heart that's laid before the Lord, open for him to see, is repent. That's it, is repent. It's like David in Psalms 51. It's to, it's to acknowledge that God, you desire truth. Where? Anybody know? In the inward parts. God's not looking for you to say the right thing. He's not looking for you to do the right thing to get him off your back. God's looking for something to happen in your heart. I wonder if there's somebody today that wants to celebrate, embrace, and gain truth. I wonder if you'd step out of your seat and you'd come to an altar today. I wonder if you would bring and say, Lord, I want truth on the inward parts. Maybe make that your prayer. Make that your prayer. Doesn't that sum it up for everybody? Doesn't that sum it up for all of us here? God, you know exactly what's going on in my life. God, you desire truth on the inward parts. So God, do surgery on this heart this morning. God, make me a vessel that you can be pleased with. God, let truth come on in the inside of me. God, and when truth's on the inside, it's going to come out on the outside. It'll come out in my action. It'll come out in my words, Lord. Let your spirit well up out of the abundance of what you do in my heart. Let me begin to speak and act and live according to the work of the Holy Ghost in my heart. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can receive it today. Lift your hands. Repent of your sins. And God said, I'll come down and I'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you have never been baptized in Jesus' name, our water is warm, we have clothes, we have robes, you can go down in the name of Jesus, the Bible says, for the remission, the taking away of your sins. There's no reason why anybody should leave this place without their slate washed clean and their life full of truth and power of the Spirit on the inside. The Lord is here. Truth is here. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's ask the Lord, what do you have for me to receive today? What do you want in my heart, Lord?
Come on, let's seek His face together. Lord, I give you my